Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now flip over with me to Hebrews. And we've just been hearing in the previous chapter about how our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice for us allows us to draw near to God. And the writer of Hebrews has been encouraging us to stand firm in our faith and to encourage each other to stand firm in our faith as well. So pick it up with me from chapter 11. It's a long chapter, so stay with the text. Let's hear what God has to say for, um, to us. Chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for his he has prepared for them a city. By faith, 
Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Thanks, Zoe. Uh, Good morning. 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 Thank you all who are awake. What a long reading and a, just a spectacular chapter, really. Um, my name's Andy, and uh, I am uh, the pastor here. Now, normally, I'm here. We, we have a partner church up Wild Street this morning. I'm going to have to uh, run off up there, because about one in every ten or so, I'll go up to Wild Street and preach. Uh, and that's you've come on in the morning that I'm doing that. But uh, it is great. I want to add my welcome. Uh, it's great to see familiar faces and some 
uh, new ones joining us for the first time. Um, can I pray for us? Heavenly Father, what a, a blessing it is to hear your word as we've already reflected on and we've heard you speak to us this morning. And Father, please give us eyes and hearts to see these examples of men and women of faith that we might walk in their path, that we might follow them and so reach our heavenly home, heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I do have an outline uh, that I have slightly changed. I don't know if that's going to be helpful for you, but I can tell you where that's changed. Um, I don't know how you felt, how it made you feel as, you know, we just keep getting description after description of heroic people of faith, example after example of what it looks like, the decisions they've made for faith in God. I mean, if you're not familiar with the things of God and you're new to these things, these would have just been random names. But these are all key, significant figures in the Old Testament, the time in history before Jesus. It's almost like, if you can kind of think of a key figure, it's in this chapter. There's not many that you wouldn't find in the Old Testament which aren't in here. But gosh, doesn't it kind of blow you away, their examples of faith lived out? i tell you what came to mind as I read it. I thought, gosh, they don't make them like they used to, do they? I don't know if you got that, that, that feeling. It's like, oh, man, have people changed this much since, um, you know, when this was written? Uh, and then the next thing that came to mind, well, maybe we're more like Audi. You know, today we're good different. I don't know. I don't know if we are good different. Uh, I don't think we are. But I think this is written... Uh, for it was written to people ancient you know, time ago to help them to keep going in their Christian faith. And it's what we have today to help us going in our Christian faith. Because can I say, it can be really hard to be a Christian and to live by faith. I think one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing, is the reality of verse 1. What what it, how it describes faith. It says, living by faith is living in a way of the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. You know, our society, our culture, my neighbours, uh, the kids my, go to, my kids go to, my, my kids, friends you go to school with, everyone, uni mates, family. What's the narrative You've got to live with the scene, what you can see and touch and feel, and for when? For here and now. That's, that's what our world is telling us. And if you, know, if you don't get what you want right now, oh, it's a crime. You're going to miss out. Take every opportunity to seize the day. Make the most of it. Experience as much as you can. Friends, do you find it hard? In this culture, this time in history, to live by faith, praying to an invisible God, live lives that are shaped by an unseen Jesus. You know, as you think about your life, your time you spend on things, where you put your money, where you, how you choose to have your holidays, I think in the context of our time, I can be tempted, we can be tempted to think, oh, is it worth it? Is it worth it? 
Hebrews is written to help us to keep going, which we've been going on and on again. And the thing is, we are not the first to have this feeling. We are not the first to experience this. Uh, And that's why I think we have Hebrews 11, because it just keeps coming up again. One of the unhelpful things... Have you heard this chapter being called the heroes of faith? Have you heard that being a a description of this chapter? I think that's a really unhelpful way to describe this chapter. Because every key figure mentioned in this chapter, you know, they, they all have their moments of great you know, decisions of trust, uh, decisions where they um, trust and follow God and believe his word. But all of them have horrific moments too. Like Moses, you know, he was a drunk. Uh, Abraham, he passed off his wife for his own like, safety, not once, but twice. Um, Moses... He's a murderer. So we, we've got this picture of people of faith, not heroes of faith. More than that, I think if he wanted to give us heroes, he would have picked way different judges, like, you know, Othniel or Deborah. If you know anything about your history, these guys, they were kind of good judges. Who's he picked? Jephthah. I mean, he's the guy that made that kind of call with God, you know, if we win, I'll kill my daughter. Do you, I don't know if that rings any bells. They win. What happens? He follows through and he's, what a crazy nutter. But his name is here in chapter 11. It's the stupidest thing ever. Samson, he's another name that's here as a, a person of faith. I mean, he's slept with anything that moved. Massive battles with sin. Gideon, oh man, Gideon, how insecure was he? I'm not from the right family. How many times? God, no, I don't, I don't, that test, this test, this test, no, I can't trust it, can't trust it. Yet, he is a man of faith. Why? It's because these guys aren't heroes of the faith. They're just ordinary believers, God used profoundly, ordinary believers like you and I, who are deeply flawed and weak. But they're here to show us, I think, that God can use ordinary screw-ups to continue on by faith. This is a normal picture of what it means to be a Christian, a normal picture of what it means to be those who struggle and attempted to shrink back. Friends, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian or you don't follow the Lord Jesus, don't know what he's done for you and how that is the best news ever, I say you've, you've just heard kind of an under-the-hood picture of on the ground what it looks like to live as a Christian. Now, I want us to consider two things under two, things, uh, two headings this morning. And you've got, I've got more than two on your sheet here. Uh, the first one is, what does this tell us about faith? And the second one, what does this faith look like? Okay, with me? What does this tell us for the ordinary Christian, the ordinary person? What does it tell us about faith? I think when it comes to faith, part of our problem is that unlike a lot of Hebrews... <laughs> We use the word faith uh, in life, don't we? Like we but as a society, we kind of use it in two completely different ways. Uh, so on the one hand, I just Googled define faith in Google. In Google, you know, that's how it works. Uh, it came up with this strong belief in doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. You know, that's a way that we use the word faith. You know, it's what we might call blind faith. And so, uh, it, you know, it's the footy team 
kind of, you know, I've got, I got, I got faith that we're going to win. Uh, it's the faith that you would have had last night in, um, oh, who was the last woman that got the, got the final goal? Yeah, Caitlin Vine. Uh, Courtney Vine. Yes, we got there. You know, I, I was like, I, you know, that was just such a roller coaster. But once it was there, I'm like, you can do it. Anyway, there was a, that was a good moment. Uh, but, you know, what is, what's my, it's, it's kind of a blind, I've got no idea if she can do it. But I'm like, you can do it. Um, now, typically, I think this is what people think uh, and assume that is what the kind of faith that most Christians have. Uh, you know, you kind of believe in this sky fairy up there. There's no evidence. Uh, and in fact, your belief is in spite of the evidence. Uh, and so people often will say, oh, yeah, you're a Christian. <laughs> That's okay for you. I'm more of an evidence guy, science guy. I like to see the proof. But, you know, good for you. That's good. Uh, I think what doesn't help us in this space is actually Christians are confused too. We can be confused what faith... Is this what the faith, our faith is? This kind of blind, not proof? And so sometimes, you know, I've heard many Christians just say, yeah, well, I'm not quite sure why we believe that, but we've just got to have faith, don't we? We've just got to have faith. Uh, can I say this is not the primary way the Bible uses the word faith. Actually, it doesn't use it this way at all. Uh, the other definition in which we use faith in the world is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That's how Google defined it. But this is typical faith that we have every day. For you guys to turn up here, you had faith that there wasn't a bomb in your car. Like, I don't know how many of you checked your bonnet, you know, pop it. Is there anything dangerous under there? Is it going to explode on the way in? You had faith in the chair you're sitting on that's going to hold you up. You know, you have faith that this roof isn't going to cave down. Uh, and so it's a kind of, it's an, it's an action, right? It's a, it's a trust. You can just exchange that. It's a trust or confidence in something or someone. Uh, this is how the Bible uses it. And we can just interchange faith and trust. Now, I've just told you that's how the Bible uses it. But what does verse 1 say? Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. Doesn't that sound like the first idea? It's a bit confusing. Can I trust this guy at the front? Who is he? Do I have any reason to trust that? I don't think verse 1 is trying to give us a full definition of faith. He's not trying to give us a full watertight, here is everything you need to know about faith. But I actually think it's to show us what faith does. It's to show us what faith does. That's why we've got that example after example of the, the outworking, faith in concrete, real lives of people. See, you've got these two aspects here in verse 1, the assurance of things hopeful. You know, that's... What are we, what's he talking about there? I think he's talking about that future guarantee that the gospel and what the Lord Jesus has done for us ensures. That hope that we have of a heavenly home. When he says the convictions of things not seen, I think he's talking about there the spiritual realities of that world. You know, they're real. Do we see them? No. Uh, they're invisible. And in, in fact, including God himself is invisible. But the question I've got is, do we, do we not have any reason to believe in things? You know, believe in these truths? And I would say, well, the Bible would say yes, yes, and yes. We have many good reasons. So that's why it's not 
blind faith, it's actually faith based on reason. I mean, even the words he uses in verse 11, um, you know, that understand word in verse 3, we understand that the universe was, you know, the people of all these convictions. These are kind of understanding words. They're, they're reason words. But faith here is based on God and his promises. And so have a, just have a look at the example of Abraham about what we learn about faith. He would say, we have so many reasons to believe and trust in God. We get three examples, specific times in his life. So the first one is in verse 8 there. Have a look in verse 8. He says, By faith, Abraham, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, they're the promises that we read back in Genesis 12. We're talking a long time before Jesus, a long time, three and a half thousand years ago. Uh, but these are really, if you're a Christian, these are quite famous words. But I think we just often skip over how sketchy a call it was of God to say to Abraham, go. You know, it's not like Abraham had uh, realestate.com, thought, yeah, I'm going to go to this land, and he can just quickly check out, you know, what's it like? What's the weather like? Is there surf? Is there mountains? Um, what are the schools like? Am I going to be able to travel back to see my family that I'm leaving? Uh, no, he just hears God's word to a, and, and heads off to a land. He doesn't know what the land is. He doesn't, he doesn't know where he's going. And he can't see it with his eyes. The second example we get with Abraham is with his wife and having kids. Verse 11, uh, he says, By faith, Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. That, what, what they mean by that is she's ancient. She was over 90 years old, so you know, the next verse is as good as dead. But what does she do? She considered him faithful who had promised. So Sarah in her 90s, as good as dead, having kids, what the heck? Is that a, is that a reality you've seen? I mean, I, you know, if I think of my grandma having kids at night, I think, no way. But Sarah, she believed because she considered him faithful who had promised. The next example, verse 17, uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. So here's an example where God had made these promises that you'd have land uh, and people, many descendants and a, a great nation, and then God asked him to give up his only son. Why does Abraham follow through with that when that's the only son he had with Sarah because they were ancient? Verse 19, he says, because he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. See, why did Abraham leave his home, uh, have kids when he was on his deathbed and prepare to sacrifice his only son? Because he really believed God's word. He really believed that his promises are trustworthy and he knew God was able to powerfully deliver on his word. What God says, he does. So is it logical to trust God's word? Of course it is. Time and time again, we've got his promise and it happens. He has a 100% track record. See, faith here is believing in God's promises. In particular, I think he has a future aspect of God's promises here. 
he has a, a, a promises about a future home. Notice uh, that they, that's what Abraham was to do in verse 10, uh, is to leave uh, and to live in a foreign land. Why? Verse 10, because he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. See, hearing about this city, this heaven, this home, and he's realising that these promises aren't about the here and now. This land of Canaan, he was just passing through. There's not a more obvious way to kind of show that than by living in tents. Uh, Friends, for you and I, this is a similar promise, isn't it? Haven't we been working through Hebrews that heaven is our home? We are passing through. Our eternal rest is yet to come. And it's guaranteed. And faith for us is believing in those promises. Believing that heaven is our home. See, I think the picture he's wanting to give us of faith, just in terms of what is the faith he's trying to teach us, it's not this fantasy blind belief, but it's, it's actually kind of like a powerful telescope. Uh, you know, in a telescope, you, know, you, you look out and you see the galaxies and stars that are far away. You can't see them with the naked eye. They're invisible. But you look through the telescope and you can see them. They, it comes forth and you see the things that are there that you can't see. Those realities, those stars, those galaxies, that's what faith does. It enables us to see the un, these unseen realities of life, uh, this, this spiritual world out there, and it re- enables us to see the things that are there and believe them to be true. Now, the key thing that knowing these things to be true and that this chapter wants to get is that, that it shapes our life here and now. It, faith, it kind of bursts into action. You know, people say faith is always a private thing. Uh, you, know, you know, that's good for you, good for you. You know, we have our own things. Hebrews 11 is saying faith is about these promises of these unseen future realities and that transforming, bursting into action the way we live today. So that's my, this is my second point. What does it actually look like on the ground? I don't have time to go through it all. I have four things I want us to reflect on. The first thing is... Sometimes faith looks like doing stuff that no one else around you is doing. Sometimes faith looks like doing stuff that no one else around you is doing. There's a bunch of examples, but let's go to Noah in verse 7. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and become an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah, he was before Abraham, who we were just talking about before Abraham. Now, he lived in the desert, right? Uh, there wasn't any kind of... You know how we get those... There wasn't any warnings that the hailstorm is coming. There wasn't the pop-up notice. Rain's coming um, on his smartwatch. It took him decades to build this boat... And he's in the middle of the desert. Can you imagine how he would have looked? Can you imagine that? You know, everyone walking past going, what on earth are you doing? You know, you realise it doesn't rain around here, right? What? Water, rain, what on earth? But Noah, hearing God's word, he burst into action and he did stuff that no one else would do. He built an ark. Everyone wants to keep saying to us, the here and now is all that it is. For decades, while Noah was building his ark, 
Everyone would have just been going on life as if nothing was going to happen. Noah would have felt super weird. Super weird. You know, it's, it's not normal to act on unseen things. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like the weird one? You know, you, you shape your week around unseen realities that you know to be true, but to everyone else, you're just like this weirdo. Uh, you know, it's just reflecting. Um, I know a lot of people love a sleep in here. You think, oh, why do I have to set my alarm? You deserve it. You've worked hard all week. Have a couple of days off and sleep in. You know, why do I spend time going to growth group or uh, church? Do you feel weird when you're trying to talk to your mates about Jesus? It's just awkward. Uh, it's, it's, you know, in the back of your head you think, is this worth it? Is this judgment day? Is Jesus really coming back? Is this really coming? Well, Noah will say to us, yes. He is coming. And God is faithful to his word. And even though no one else is doing it, you might look like a nutter. In the end, you won't be the weirdo. For him, it would have been once he walked, like hopped onto the ark, that you think, ah, okay. Like his faith would have become into sight then. It started raining. Friends, faith in God promises sometimes looks like doing stuff that no one else around you will do. Second thing, faith here enables different dreams and ambitions, I think. You know, I have ambitions for myself, but also for my kids. You know, I I hope that they have health, they live a long life. I hope that they learn stuff at school and have a good education. I have ambitions that they'll get a job that, you know, fits with how they're wired and the way God's gifted them. I have ambitions and hopes that they might find family. You know, I have all these hopes and ambitions and desires for my kids. Hebrews 11 would say to us, all those ambitions, they're just low ambitions for you know, your kids. God has promised us a future that is so amazing that he would want us to live by faith to ensure that we get there. See, Moses, he's a, he's a guy that had different ambitions in light of this future reality. Verse 24, have a look. He says, by faith, Moses... When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. See, Moses here, he was kind of adopted into the royal family of the day, a powerful family, would have been prestige, wealth, power, and kind of pleasure beyond you and I could imagine. Yet, he, what does it say he did? He just shrugged it off. Why? Because he wanted to be with the people of God. He had a future ambition. He, he knew that there was more to the here and now, and he was looking forward to that amazing home, that reward that was going to blow his socks off and blow everyone's socks off. Friends, when you think about your ambitions for yourself or your ambitions for your family, are they short-sighted? Are they small, pithy, just concerned with the here and now and not 
realize about this eternal reality that is coming for you if you're in the Lord Jesus? Do you feel like you have different ambitions to those around you? You know, I, I, I know people feel this. You know, they're in the workplace. You're like, people choose to work from home on certain days so they can make it to growth group. People choose not to do, um, take on more responsibility, take time off in the day so they can teach scripture. And everyone's around, what are you doing that for? Because they know of that earthly that earthly home, their ambition, they want to get there and they want others to get there too. You know, why do you always do that thing? Have you ever heard this? Why do you always do that? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Surely you can have a, a, you know, a Sunday off or a, a Tuesday off. You know, just live a little. You know, relax. All these voices, do you hear all these voices and wonder, is it worth it? Moses will say to us, yes it is. Anything that the world will offer you is fleeting compared to that eternal promise that we have in Jesus. Don't look back. The third thing that faith enables us is, astoundingly, it's to please God. Did you know that you can please God now? I think we get so used to kind of hearing the true message and the right message that we can't save ourselves. It's not about good works, uh, effort that earn our way to heaven, which is true and right. But we, we end up missing the reality that by faith, we can actually please God now. Verse 2 and uh, verse 39 kind of encapsulate that. There's these people that faith were commended by God. Uh, Enoch is a, is a great example in verse 5. Have a look at verse 5 there. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, friends, by faith, you and I can actually please God. Now, that almost sounds scandalous to me. I don't know if, if you think about your own heart and your own actions, you know, but the, the reality is in spite of our very real sin, our very real shortcomings, by faith we can please God. You know what I was reflecting on this week? and uh, uh, If these people were in our culture and they were monuments and we had pictures of them on our wall, what would our culture do to them? They would cancel them, wouldn't they? Tear them down. Uh, you know, these are just guys that are drunks. They're cowards. No, these guys need to be cancelled. They need to be wiped from history. But friends, God doesn't cancel stuff-ups. God doesn't cancel failures. He's not, in verse 16, ashamed to be called their God. I don't, I, I, when I read these, I felt so weak and aware that I'm not like them. You know, don't know my history, my failures, my insecurities. But God, he's not ashamed to be called your God. And you can please him by faith. See, this is the beauty that these are just ordinary people living out faith. I think if you reflect on those who have been big influences for your Christian life, there are many ordinary people who have had massive impacts 
on living by faith. Not dead people from the Old Testament, but people who are living today. I, I had a quick think through my life. I've got, I got a youth leader that was ordinary. But you know what he did? He just turned up, cared for me, hung out, told me about Jesus. He was a, um, he was a horticulturalist. He's an ordinary guy. I loved it. I loved him. You know, I had a, um, I had a, um, a guy that I was in a growth group with who planted a church in a housing commission. He was, oh, that was a side hustle. Um, maybe not so ordinary. But, you know, he worked, but he was so convinced of the gospel that he would get up at 4 a.m., write, write Bible studies, go in his lunch break with a group of people to share with Jesus. Now, he, was he extraordinary? I mean, at some levels, it's extraordinary. He had about 30 cups of coffee a day and he got in trouble by his doctor for it. But <laughs> he's an ordinary guy, though. Like, it's just so encouraging. I've got a dad who deeply encourages me. He's ordinary. I love him. He's flawed. But gosh, how he lives out ordinary faith is a powerful witness to me. I think if you reflect on yourself, you all have these people who think, actually, they're really ordinary. But they powerfully trust God and his word in their messed up, weak, frail way. But it does show us that God is the one who is faithful. Okay, lastly... I want to tell us that faith ends ultimately in God's blessing. See, throughout the chapter, um, the life of faith lived out can be victorious. So you've got those in verses 32 to 35. You know, there's massive victories. But actually, and also it can be horrifically the opposite, suffering, opposition, persecution in 36 and 38. See, there's no promise for the here and now that you will be victorious if you live a life of faith. In fact, actually, the Bible does promise that if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. I think it's helpful for us to have that perspective on life. But I, I don't think that's where the perspective of just the here and now. This is what I keep saying. You want to see the unseen reality. Think about that future reality and live in light of that now. And have a look at where he lands in verse 39. He says, as he's kind of summing up, all these... Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should be made perfect. You see what he's doing there? He's including these promises, this future promise, and he's including us in there. You and I, we, we join the list. We join the list in verse 40. We aren't the victorious uh, the ultimate person who is victorious, which comes next week, chapter 12, is Jesus. But friends, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Those who by faith have made it, who have made it to the end. And he wants us to make it to the end. He wants us to live a life of faith that bursts into action now. What's that going to look like for us? Sometimes doing stuff that no one else is doing. Uh, different dreams and ambitions, actually pleasing God by faith and enabling and ultimate, it, it, it ends in God's ultimate blessing of being with him and seeing him face to face. Friends, the challenge for you and I is, 
Do you want to join this list? Is your name on that list? And are you going to choose to live by faith now? Now, the whole point of chapter 11 kind of ends in chapter 12. And I just want to read it for us in chapter 12, verse 1. You can have a look in your Bible there. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's those people that we've just read about in chapter 11, all these people we've just been talking about, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So he's, he's got this, it's like this big running race, right? You know, imagine a really long running race and um, you're in a relay race and what's really long? 40k, I mean 5k for me is really long, but let's be honest. Um, so it's really long, and what you've got here is the Old Testament examples, examples who have run and who have passed the baton on, passed the baton on. And now they're here as a cloud of witness. They're cheering you and I on. They're saying to us, run, continue to live by faith. And when we see the, the, the finish line and we're tempted to give up, we think, oh, it's hot. You know, I deserve a drink. I should sit on the side and jump under the shade. They're saying, they're saying, run, remember the promises, get to the end and look to Jesus, look to him, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Friends, can I pray that we might run the race and live by faith? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for these examples of men and women who endured in faith, that their faith burst into action and Father, we just thank you for your work throughout all history through ordinary men and women uh, whom you have made your promises to and you are faithful. And we can see it in generation after generation. So Father, I pray that you'd help us to hold fast, to cling, to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we might now burst into action. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.